If you try to earn before you learn, you get burned. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Smart Agents Podcast. My name is Michael Walter and I'll be your host. In today's episode, we talk with Greg Shank, who just celebrated his 34th year in commercial real estate and his 25th year owning his own firm, The Shank Company. At the same time he was building his own commercial real estate business, Greg also began focusing on building training for agents on a wide variety of topics. Throughout our conversation, he shares some amazing tips and insights for real estate professionals at any level. Now, before we get into today's featured interview, make sure you follow and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the list goes on. Also, as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents YouTube channel. Click the bell to get notifications whenever a new episode is uploaded. And lastly, if you or somebody else on your team has an awesome story to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. All right, so on to the day's episode where we chat with Greg Shank, where we talk all about the things agents at any level can do to position themselves for success. Really, the way I like to start everything out is if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and your background in the real estate industry. Sure. Uh, again, my name is Greg Shank with the Shank Company. I'm celebrating 34 years in the business. And if you would have asked me out of college what industry or area I would have gone in, you could have given me a thousand choices and commercial real estate would not have been one of them. Uh, I was living in L.A. on the beach in a sales job living life as a young single guy. And I thought never leaving here. I came back to Ohio for a friend's wedding, drove down to Columbus and had a gut feel Columbus was going to grow. And I basically quit the other job, drove here. The company I went to work for didn't even pay to move me back to a straight commission position. I left the job with a salary, a company car and expense account, living on the beach to come back to where there's cold weather, which today we have about eight inches of snow on the ground from, from last week to get into commercial real estate as an office broker for the largest company in the country, CB, now CBRE. Um, I set a very high goal and I said, I'll give it two years. And if I don't do good, I can always move back to LA. Uh, well, within two years, I won the rookie of the year and the top five award for my old company. Uh, nine years later, I did the biggest deal in the state. And I left to start my own firm. And this year is 25 years of having my own firm of strictly representing tenants, buyers, and investors. At the same time I left my old company, I designed two courses on tenant representation, and it went so well. In the state of Ohio, I took it national, and I added a variety of other areas. So about 23 different areas of residential and commercial real estate training and education from sales skills, people skills, entrepreneur skills, how to represent a tenant, overcoming objections, investment property, acquisition, pretty much anything you'd want to know about getting a foundation for lifelong success, not only in the real estate business, but in personal uh, financial security. And the difference was I never wanted to sell anything to anybody. I always wanted to help people get what they want. And in our state, the law changed in 1989 called the agency disclosure law. Before that, it was let the buyer beware. And every state in the country has it now. But when that law took effect, 
I moved all my business over into strictly representing tenants, buyers, and investors. I didn't have any listings, so I was completely invisible. I'm the only one in our city still all these years later that exclusively represents tenants. And I banded together with the people around the world. I've got about 80 some in the US and about 200 around the world in every market to help our clients, no matter where they are on any kind of property type or assignment that, that they would have. Um, so I've been very blessed. It's all, all been very, very good. It's very hard work. It's very high risk, high reward. It's certainly not for everybody. I probably work 60 hours a week for 25 years. Um, the smart, smartest thing I did was start buying investment property about 21 years ago. And now I have properties and partnerships all over the country that give me passive income. So now I can do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and I can dedicate more time to the speaking and teaching, which is really my passion. Right. Absolutely. I was about to bring that up is one of your big passions now is the teaching and, uh, you know, the mentoring of people. So for our audience, you know, for other real estate professionals, um, you know, when it comes to an agent looking to get into a brokerage or start their career, how important is it for them to find somebody that will be training them? Well, it's huge. I would not be in the business if I wouldn't have met my mentor, who was a guy in my old company, uh, he told me two things. It's very, very important. If you try to earn before you learn, you get burned. So think about that for a minute. Everybody's super impatient. Nobody wants to be broke, especially if they didn't have a, a family. I was single when, when I got in. So a, l- a little different story. But the, the cycle for commercial real estate is very long. Eight to 12 months on most of my assignments. I, I closed one last year that was over two years from my start to when I got compensated. So obviously, most people can't handle that. The other thing he really told me was, look at it like going back to get your MBA, your master's. The first two years, you're going to starve. You're going to put all your attention into building that solid foundation of education. But after that, your income is going to really rapidly increase. And that's exactly what happened to me. About month 18 the fog went away, things started getting into place and just boom, 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 you know, just, just like that. So, you know, the keys are is to find a good mentor or coach. And a big reason I got into coaching and training and mentoring is because I do have a burning desire to give people that, that foundation. Too many agents try to be a generalist, meaning they're trying to do every property type, help everybody out instead of being a specialist any our statistics will tell you that if you're a specialist, you make over double what you do as a generalist, whether you're in residential or, or commercial. But I always tell people, no matter what they're doing, pick an area that you're passionate about, find out, go and get exposed to all those different areas, go have a mentor, go shadow somebody and trust your gut in that area. And then polish those skills, learn all those skills in that area to help take you to the levels that you want to be taken. And the other big thing is goal setting. A lot of people just aimlessly wander through life, take what's thrown at them and don't have written goals. So if you don't know where you're going to go, you know, you're, ne- you're never going to get there rather than holding yourself and having somebody else like a mentor or coach holding you accountable. When you talk about finding your niche and, and also that goal setting, you want to, <clears throat> you don't want to walk around aimlessly going from niche to niche to niche to say, I'm, I'm finding it how do you set parameters on yourself saying, I need to know by this certain date or this certain time in my career, what my specialization is going to be? 
Well, today it's a lot easier than when I started before Internet, before Google. Uh, we did what was called strip mapping, where we would actually go knock on doors on every street, on every building and meet the landlords and meet the tenants and sometimes get thrown out of buildings, get threatened with arrest and different things. But that's how we learned it today. You can learn it a lot quicker. It still takes focus and, and you know, and, and attention. But, you know, I'm a big believer in, in trusting your gut. But it, the process does take time, you know, without a doubt. And if you've got people, if you're in a big enough audience uh, uh, office, you can shadow people in these different areas. And they're going to tell you the pros and cons as much as, as, as you know, I'm going to tell. So for, if you're working in retail, for example, you're either working with a national company or a mom and pop. The national company may not be in your market. So if you're in Jacksonville, Florida, and they're out of Seattle, Washington, unless you're going to spend a lot of money and fly on a plane, you're never going to meet those people in person. And even with Zoom today, it's harder to make those relationships from scratch when you've never met them or shook their hand, you know, eye, eye, eye to eye, to eye uh, on there. So retail is, is very either working with a mom and pa that may not have as good credit. And obviously today, retail has been hit, you know, drastically, whereas office you may have a lot more local people that own their own company, manage their own company, things like that, that you could probably get in a little easier to see. Uh, the investment realm is much like retail, where people could be anywhere around the country buying properties. They, they may or may not be in your local market, depending on the size and scope of the, of the deal. So ind industrial is the same way. The industrial user or the owner of the property may be completely in another state than where you are. So you really have to say, how good am I on the phone? How good is my active persuasion or my sales skills and my listening skills on, on the phone versus doing it there? And am I going to go make relationships locally or am I going to try to do it nationally? That's, that's a huge thing with that, but it takes time. That's why I said that, you know, if you try to earn before you learn, you get burned. I look at it as 18 months of two years that you really got to put that work in. Now, hopefully sooner than later, you find out which area that you're gravitating towards uh, you know, of there. I, I just felt more comfortable in office. There was no really rhyme or reason. You can make just as good a living in any niche uh, and, and segment on, on there. So I think it's a lot of personal preference. The other big thing is some people have more a better personality. Others are better on the number side and number crunching, you know, financial analysis, accounting. Uh, if you want to be really good in investment real estate, you've got to really have those math skills and analytical skills. Not everybody has those, Okay. Uh, I'm very good at math. I'm terrible in accounting. If I had to be an accountant, I'd be homeless. So thank God I did gravitate toward, you know, this this end of it. But you can't be everything to every, any everyone. You have to figure out what's important to you with with your niche. Polish those skills and team with people that complement or supplement with what you're doing in in other areas. Right. Uh, I want to touch on that teaming here in just a second, but when um, you know that finding those people, you, you talk about honing your skills and um, really learning before you go out there and try to make a whole bunch of money. A lot of times people will get involved with brokerages that are it's really strictly, they're just there to hand out leads and they're not there training their agents how to be good salesmen, how to understand, you know, how to, how to convert those leads that they're giving to them. So, how do you, what do you tell agents for when, when they're selecting where to go work for and what brokerages to join and who to partner with, how to kind of vet out that? What's the vetting out process? 
That's, that is a great question. And I really had great exposure to that. My old company would never get huge office listings because we didn't have a very strong property management department. After I left, they spent $10 million, and this is 25 years ago, to buy a company that had a very strong property management. So if you're going to go after, uh, uh, go into a company and you're going to do listings, you want to make sure they have a strong property management department because sometimes listings are given out not by how great the leasing agent is, but by how great the building is run and operated. So you got to work in tandem with that other department. And most people never think of that. And then they get there and they're like, well, why aren't I getting these listings? I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they turn out, well, you may be, but you got to have that other end of the plan to be able to help operate something. Today, when I'm addressing investors, that is like the biggest thing I, I tell them. So it's important both for someone going in and as a leasing agent, as well as somebody buying an investment property. I always tell people, never be your own property manager, always hire a professional and hire one that's a specialist in that area that you're going to, because you be, you could be a great retail property manager and not know anything about residential or office or vice versa. And today there's a lot of mixed use properties where you could have all three in one building even complicates it a lot more. So I literally just got on the phone before we got up with, with a new project in, in our city where there's retail on the first floor and apartments upstairs, and they have two different leasing agents for each one. And they probably have different managers for that too, because it's, it's very unique. But when you're, when you're going to look at somebody today, you have really the tale of two cities. You have the boutiques, the small firms, and then you have the giant firms. You got about a half a dozen mega firms that tell you they're going to have more training for you. Uh, but there may be more bureaucracy and they may take a bigger piece of the pie of your commission. I paid 50 cents of every dollar I made for nine years with a big company and there was a lot of bureaucracy. I didn't like either of those things. So obviously when I went on my own, it was, it was a different schedule. Smaller companies can give you more individual attention, but they may not have the overall resources that a large company has and or they may not have the national or global uh, touch and reach to be able to do multi-market business and, and multi-market referrals that a small company you know, has. So very different when it, when it comes to that. I always tell people you should interview with, with, with all of them. And if you want a contact, I'm happy to talk to people. I've got a data bank of people in, in every market. So I can certainly give my opinion on, on that. And again, there's no right or wrong. It's what you're most comfortable with. How do you visualize yourself? Before I got into real estate, I thought I had to have a professional job with a suit and tie in a high rise building at that time, at 26 years old, when I got in the business, that was very important to me. Today, I wear a golf shirt and a sweater. I can work out of my house. I don't care about that anymore. But I'm at a different stage of my life as you know than I was was then of, of what's important. And again, there's no right or wrong. It's what what's important there. But but what's the reputation of the company, both locally and nationally? What's the camaraderie like? inside the office. And I would tell you to interview at least four or five people within the office and ask them what's the best thing about working here and what's the worst. And again, what's their reputation in the local and national marketplace and make sure everything you get from that company uh, is in writing that they're going to do as far as compensation and, and training and education. 
Um, how are commission disputes settled and resolved? Because they're going to happen. People fight, as we know, husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends and certainly coworkers in the commission job are going to are going to argue when deals don't go the way they think. So those things are imperative mm-hmm. to look at. Right. And, you know, we're going back to the building a solid group and a solid support system, you know, in real estate, there is sometimes that idea that, you know, you are, it, it is a, uh, a solo sport, you know, people think got, you know, I'm, I'm my brand, I'm my person, but to be successful, you have to have that support around you. It, it, it really is kind of like a small little basketball team. You're not out there as a singular golfer. You're it's a basketball team that you're putting together. Well, you're a rare breed if you can do it by yourself. Let's put it that way. I think today more people are gravitating toward teams, uh, especially with listing, whether it's residential or commercial. If somebody's on vacation or depending if you have a lot of listings. I've got one friend that's got 70 listings. So obviously he can't be 70 places each week. So I think they have three or four people you know, on their team. You know, The big issue is, What's your personality like them? Do you compliment each other? Do you trust each other? Obviously, the trust is is the big thing. How are you splitting the fees? Are they equal or whoever's bringing in, in more of that? Um, constant communication. Key. And having, again, a written agreement on any kind of team partnership agreement. Uh, it should be a legal document because if not, one or the other is going to be very unhappy and in that in that role there, and, and that, that happens every day, unfortunately, um, out there. So some very tough questions uh, on there before you you pick you, you pick somebody. I mean, there's some really good companies out there, and again, some are local, some are regional, some are national, some are global. Some have great property management, some don't have property management at all. Some only do one property type. Some do every property type. Uh, so there's things of what you're interested in and where's your next step. Do you want to stay here or do you have, you know, aspirations for bigger or moving like you did, you know? So all those questions, the who, the what, the why, the when, the where all have to be asked. Right. I think that's so important for, you know, a lot of times is when you're interviewing for a job, you need to be interviewing them, you know, the company that, you know, to get your questions answered too. It's that it's, it's the back and forth. There it is a, it's a two-way street. Without a doubt. And getting that reputation and are they, is the company going to do what they say they're going to do? And are you going to do what you say you're going to do? So it definitely did. There's not a stigma like there was before when you changed jobs before you wanted 40 years with the same company, get your gold watch and go retire. Now you may have seven or eight different positions. As long as you give the company you're with hundred percent while you're there and you leave on, you know, on, on good terms. I don't think there's a problem. And today there's been so many mergers. We've had a half a dozen companies that I forget which company sometimes my friends are with because they've changed names and merged in the big and have, have gotten bigger. And then again, you might get a personality conflict or they have too many in a certain division. They just got eight new office brokers. So they have 16 office brokers and they really don't need 16 office brokers. So from attrition, some people are are, are going to leave. So, uh, you know, th- that, but I think it's, again, trusting your gut, visualizing what you want, having those written goals and, and having that camaraderie, especially if you're going to have uh, uh, partners is going to be very, very important. Right. And kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, now we're 
in such a crazy real estate market right now with just listings flying off. I mean, people can't even get their listings on the MLS before they're being sold. For the agents that have kind of started in this last year to six months and are seeing, you know, crazy success right out of the gate, what would you tell them to be, you know, that there's that rose colored glass kind of, uh, I would tell them I had a full head of hair when I got in the business. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not going to be that way. I've been through probably four very rough periods. Uh, when, when I got into the business, my first deal was at 17% interest rate. Wow. And, I, and I just heard from a financial planner today that said one of his clients got a 15 year home loan fixed for 1.75%. So money today is almost like stealing. So now, of course, interest rates are going to change. Economy is going to change. The home market's probably as hot as it's ever been in our lifetime. And interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our lifetime. But on, on the commercial side, office may be getting to the point where the demand is so low. Retail, we're seeing malls closed left and right, getting foreclosed on. People are obviously shopping more online or doing carryout. Both my parents live in states that have been totally shut down. So their retail business or economies are going right down the tubes. And I think by the end of this year, we're going to see some serious fallout from that. So, I mean, the government seems like they have a blank checkbook and that's going to come back to haunt us, uh, you know, on, on there. So people need to have a reserve fund. And when I'm teaching financial literacy to people, it's amazing. I, I hear the average person in, in the U.S. doesn't have $500 for an emergency. And, you know, I tell people six to eight months minimum, whatever your monthly expenses are, especially if you're in real estate, especially if you do what I do. And a normal transaction takes eight months to a year. You want to go eight months without a paycheck? How many families can do that? Not many. So it's having that rainy day fund, living beneath you know, your means, obviously setting very specific, you know, written goals and paying yourself first, getting into to investments are things that I talk to people every day, you know, to make sure because no, the market, the housing market will cool down. Obviously, the lack of uh, stock of available properties. And I just heard lumber is up 170%. So the cost of lumber to build today new for, for everything to build out an office space or to build a new home is really cost prohibitive in my market. A new home is uh, a million two to two million dollars. I mean, who's got that? I mean, just it's hard to believe there is that many people with that with that kind of money to, you know, to do it in little old Columbus, Ohio, that we have that many people that are that wealthy uh, on 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 there. So it's really planning, and it's a serious. You know, it's not a job you get into to make fifty thousand a year. Let's put it that way, because it's it's more of a long term. Uh, approach to be able to make yourself financially secure and make more than what you could in any other type of sales uh, job with that. But with that comes a lot of responsibility, a long-term view of what you're doing. Right. And with that, you know, earlier we were talking about how you, you study the market for hours every day and for, to be successful, you, in this industry, you need to be able to see the future a little bit and see what's coming down the line. So, for agents, like they really do need to be studying the trends and be up to date on everything. Yeah. So I, 
I teach people how to be a master of the market and a master of the process. And it's amazing how many people don't study the market at all and don't really have the process down efficiently and explain it properly to their client, whether they're on the listing side or the buyer or the tenant side. So knowing those and having those steps down and, you know, the big things, let's look at commercial. Well, this landlord over here is awesome. This guy over here is a jerk. This one's got a lot of money, can spend money on improvements. This one's got a low basis, can offer a low rental rate, but doesn't have a dime for improvements. So computers and data banks aren't going to tell you those things. It's still going to need those relationships to know those things. Or this building's going in foreclosure and this guy's buying everything in sight. So you need to know those things and ask those questions. So it's a lot of how inquisitive are you, the who, the what, the why, the when and there. And if you're not comfortable doing that, getting out of your comfort zone and, and, and learning that, learning those people skills, uh, Toastmasters, great organization to stand up in front of people and work on you know, your speaking skills. I tell people in college, take as much oral written communication classes as you can. I took an active listening class at a church to better my listening skills. So there's a lot of areas to be well-rounded and be very good in this profession. Right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with us. Where can people, you know, find your courses and your books and the, and the things that you've, you've produced? Sure. Uh, our website is shankcompany.com, S-C-H-E-N-K company.com. And we are doing one-on-one coaching by phone and in person. I mean, I have people fly and stay in my house and I just show them everything or do it by Zoom on, on the phone, whatever they, they want. We, we just did a, a webinar for the Ohio Association of Realtors last week. So we do attorneys, accountants, bankers. We do CE for both attorneys, accountants, and realtors on about 20 some different areas. Uh, but the main thing to think of is always keep learning, always keep investing in yourself, your sales skills, your people skills, your entrepreneurial skills, and your fan, financial literacy skills. If you do that, the sky is the limit, whether you're in real estate or without. But if you don't do that, uh, you, you can see your, your world crumble very quickly. And I think even more so today because of potential risks that are there in the future. But I appreciate it. And I'm happy to come back anytime. Absolutely. We will be sure to have you back on. Great. Thank you for having me. I really want to thank Greg for joining us today, and I definitely feel like we could have talked for a very long time, and I plan on having him on in future episodes. Again, to check out Greg's coaching, go to shankcompany.com or click on the link in the episode description. So again, if you think you or somebody else on your team has an awesome story or a tip to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. Well, that wraps things up for this episode, but remember, follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you subscribe to the Smart Agents YouTube channel. Again, I'm Michael Walter, and I'll see you on the next episode.